What's up, y'all? Welcome to Living Corporate. You know who we are. We're talking about real talk in a corporate world. Now, look, I come on here and I typically will say, well, what's up, y'all? But to be honest with y'all, I'm a little nervous because, you know, every time we come with y'all, we come at y'all, we come to you with a really great guest. But this guest is a little bit. Um, you know what? Let me not do that because we've had a lot of really great guests, right? Like we've had Jay Prince, we've had Chris Moreland, we've had Jennifer Brown, we've had DeRay McKesson. You know, we've had we've had some big names. We had Sheila Jones, the Battle Rap. We've had people, right? We've had CEOs, executives. We've had Accenture. We spotlighted them a couple months ago. So okay, so so let me not get too starstruck. But a personal um, a personal hero of mine, somebody I've been admiring from afar. We have Porter Braswell on the show today. Yo, listen, if you don't know about Porter Braswell, Porter Braswell is a Yale graduate and former Goldman Sachs associate who co-founded Jopwell.com, the leading career advancement platform for black, Latinx and Native American students and professionals. Braswell frequently speaks about diversity in the workplace to Jopwell's corporate clients. He's been profiled in Fast Company, Forbes, TechCrunch, Vanity Fair and Adweek and has received numerous awards and recognitions such as LinkedIn's Next Wave, Top Professionals 35 and Under, Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30. Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People in Business. Vanity Fair's look, I'm getting loud, just getting excited talking about all this dude's accolades, but I'm really excited to have him on the show. And so with us, we have a man, Porter. What's going on? How you doing, man? That's a very generous introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, look, it's great to have you on the show, man. Um, look, not to push too much sauce on it, but you know you the man, right? You graduated from Yale. You know, you hooped all four years. Now, let me qu- question for you, because I looked all around. What was, were you like, you look like a two guard. What, were, what was your position? <laughs> I was the point guard, definitely the point guard. Okay, now look, were you the? Now let me ask you this: Now were you the? Were you the point guard, or were you like 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 what what style? Like were you the? Are you a facilitator, or are you more like the like? Are you kind of like a Russell Westbrook type? Are you just out there? Well, you know what? So I was I was a scoring guard, and if I can go back in time, I would have made me way more of a facilitator. Recognizing that at you know almost six foot one, I'm not going to go to the, the league as a scoring guard, and so um, I feel like nowadays people who draw the inspiration from like a Steph or whatever. But when I was growing up, it was it was Allen Iverson, and like you scored as a point guard, and right. you still score as a guard now, of course. But, but it's different, though. I, yeah, it, I, you know, like a step back three point shooter, like that, you can get away with that now. Oh yeah, when I was playing, you got to go to the hoop and finish. Yeah. So when I was in, now you yeah, absolutely, I would have killed my game after other people. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> well, well, look, let's talk about this, right? So, like, you know, what point did you realize that diversity, inclusion, and equity was like important enough to transfer and transition from from Goldman Sachs to create Jopwell? Like, was there a specific moment that rung out to you? Like, what what did that look like? Yeah. So, basically, when I was working at Goldman, at the time I was there for um, about three years. And I was a product of the diversity recruiting efforts starting back in high school. Uh, in high school, I spent two summers interning at Morgan Stanley via diversity recruiting initiatives. And then at Yale, I spent three summers interning at Goldman Sachs, all via diversity initiatives. And so my whole life up until that point in time was about diversity and inclusion. And that's where I found my opportunities. And buying and selling currencies while fulfilling, it wasn't the fulfillment I was looking for. I wanted to do something that I felt was more impactful, something that I felt I was uniquely qualified to do, and something that was solving like a real pain point, solving a real challenge that that people or companies were facing. And so with those ingredients, I took a step back and recognized that diversity recruiting 
and inclusion was a massive pain point for corporate America. It was something I was uniquely qualified to solve, and I was incredibly passionate about it. And so I decided that my life's focus was going to be on building more diverse and inclusive organizations and doing it through a tech company that became Jopwell. And, and, and I think that's really important because we took a traditional nonprofit model but made it into a for-profit tech thing because we're solving real pain points of companies and we wanted to basically build a, a competitive atmosphere like any other tech company where you're disrupting an industry and, you're, and you want to win at it. And right. so we took that approach and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that my life's work and my passion and my actual day-to-day job all align with each other. Man, I'm really thankful for it too, right? Like, like I said, from like I told you, like right before we got on, like it's it's been incredible because Jopwell hasn't really been a, around that long, right? Like y'all launched in 2014, right? But at the same time, like it was so disruptive, right? Like it was like so. I remember when Jopwell came around, and I just remember like literally three years ago, even I was just looking. I was like, hey, what is this? And I, I signed up. I'm in the well, you know. What I'm, saying? I'm like, I'm I'm engaged, right? Um, but you're right. Like it's, it, the platform itself doesn't come across. And I think this is an interesting balance, right? Because y'all are providing like a, a profit service, but it doesn't come across like y'all are, what's the word? Like bartering in people, right? Like you're actually building community while connecting these folks to like opportunities. Like that's really cool to me. So the foundational thing of what we do is that we build community and we can only build community if we are very authentic and, and understanding of the community, which we are given I'm from the community. Right. And that is a hard thing to do. And if you can build the trust of a community, then you can represent brands behind it. And so Joppel has been able to carve out this area where brands recognize they need to rely on us to authentically connect and engage with this audience that we are a part of. Um, and in doing so, we want to deliver the most incredible experience and opportunities for the community. So as long as we keep the community at the center of what we do, we'll be fine as a business, but we're not transactional. We don't think of the community in that way. Like again, we are from and a part of the community. So we know the pain points. And so we've just, we took a different approach. You know, I think that's the simplest way to describe it. We took a different approach. We took a step back. I'm not from a recruiting background. And I think that helped me because we looked at this problem in a way in which others didn't look at it before. Man, you know what? It's 100% because it's interesting because I, I don't think it's easy to like understate that when you come up in like these corporatized recruiting um, platforms, it just it, it naturally skews your perspective and creates blind spots for you. It doesn't matter what your particular I mean, your ethnicity and gender plays a part in that. But I'm just talking about the culture of recruiting is oftentimes so regimented that it creates a variety of blind spots that you don't even you're not necessarily even thinking about like recruitment experience as much like you're thinking about it from a check the box perspective, but there's, there's that personal touch that rarely um, is, is really considered. And so a hundred percent, I definitely agree that you not having that formal recruiting background gives you a bit more insight. Um, Porter, it also reminds me that like <laughs> the people who are often best suited to solve for uh, inclusion efforts for black and brown people are often black and brown people, right? Like you had, you were a Hooper at Yale. You then were a Goldman Sachs employee and a, and a rising star. And then you still, because of your experiences and your insights and your passions were able to shape that into having really unique insights enough that you're able to create a whole platform from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that 
has a unique story, and they everybody has unique context in which they come to the table, and it's a responsibility of diverse individuals to expose others to the different contexts. Now, for me, that allowed myself to build a business, but that doesn't have to manifest itself in a business. Like leveraging your diversity as an asset, you could just expose people to a different way of thinking, which helps any organization, which is the power of diversity, of course. So leveraging your diversity doesn't have to lead to a business, hmm. but leveraging your diversity can lead to disruption and change. And that is a responsibility that diverse individuals have. And for me, I felt the responsibility to build this platform. So, so you know, you, you talked about that. And you, it's a really good segue. You know, it's you know, it's almost like you media train. It's like it's almost like you do this often. You know, um, but you talked about leveraging your diversity. That reminds me really of your your latest book, the Let Me Let Them See You, the Guide for Leveraging um, Your Diversity at Work. It was just published, and this book carries a theme of personal responsibility, and of course, that's critical, right? So, like talking about how you leverage your diversity to create, to your point, disruption, change within whatever um, context that you're in. But with that in mind, can we also talk about the work that you've done personally and the work Jopwell is doing to encourage inclusive cultures within these institutions that black and brown folks are trying to enter? Yeah. So, okay. Writing a book is a really interesting process. I'll, I'll start, I'll start by that saying that. So when I wrote the book, I decided that I wanted to write a book to professionals of color because that's again, like what I'm, that's what I know. That's the group I'm a part of. Right. And when you write a book, what's really difficult is that you have to pick one audience to talk to one reader and you have to make sure that you are speaking in a way that the reader can follow you. So when I chose to write this book, I chose my audience to be the Joppo member. I chose to write to a professional of color. And in that conversation, I am basically mentoring and saying, as a person of color, regardless of your environment, this is how you leverage your diversity as an asset. And you have a unique opportunity to do so. What I wasn't able to do in the book is talk about what companies can do to create environments where people can actually leverage their diversity as an asset. Right. (laughs) Because if you try to write in one, it becomes very complicated. You can't, the reader can't follow along. Hmm. So the book is about what we as professionals of color can do. But now there needs to be a conversation about what can companies do to create environments where this can actually happen. And so a lot of what we do from a job role perspective to companies is that we discuss with them different strategies and ways to think about building diverse, inclusive, and equitable uh, environments. And it really starts the top down, meaning that like the senior most people, the CEO, the board level, they have to be committed and bought in. Companies have to clearly define and articulate what diversity even means in the context of their organization. Are you talking about ethnicity? Are you talking about gender, sexual orientation, socioeconomic background? What are you talking about? Because to build a culture that is inclusive, well, inclusive of whom? And I think that's a really important concept. Hmm. And then how do you measure if it's working? And so there are a lot of steps that companies have to take. Unfortunately, a lot of companies don't feel comfortable having uncomfortable conversations and they want to jump to solutions without really thinking through what does success look like. So at Jopwell, when we work with a company, we take them through those stages. We work with them to define what success looks like. And diversity and inclusion is not like a one-year initiative. It's going to be ingrained in your culture moving forward. 
So it's a long-term play. And so there's a lot of work that we do with companies that are that's less tech-focused. It's a lot of human capital. Right. But because we're doing that work, we can help the community find opportunities that they should be able to thrive with. And so let's talk about that. Let's. I want to press a little bit more on what you said about like part of the the inclusive culture for folks to actually leverage their diversity well is in organizations being comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And I've noticed that too. That like a lot of times, if you mention the word race, or you mention the word gender, or you mention any of these words that indicate other, you're right. Organizations will often kind of go to, well, we're just going to do this, 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 and this. It almost becomes like a like they're putting out a fire. Right. It's it's re, it's more reactionary and it's not solution oriented. And you talked about people being comfortable with those uncomfortable dialogues. What does it look like for Jopwell to help organizations work through some of that discomfort? Yeah. So what we tell companies is that if there's something that's happening in the world or in the country that disproportionately affects a certain community and you have that community as employees within your organization, how do you address that in a way that's like non-polarizing or non-political? Because you should treat your colleagues and your peers as you would want to be treated. So if you're from a community and something's happening within that community that's like on national news and you don't address it as an organization, like, of course, that employee won't bring their whole self and their authentic self to work. And if they don't bring their authentic self and their whole self to work, you're not going to get the most out of them. So how do you create an where these potentially uncomfortable conversations can occur in a way that it's respectful and that employees understand that the workforce that you work in is very inclusive. And these conversations are just a part of the fabric of what makes the organization's culture special. So like, let's start small, right? And so thinking about topics in news conversations that are happening, how do you start to address those things? Now we've seen many companies do really interesting things on the back of our recommendations when these things occur. Some companies have hosted town halls where they bring all hands and, you know, it's a conversation of what's going on and what's the position of a company around certain topics that they cannot ignore. And the feedback has been incredible, naturally so, from the attendees because they felt like they were seen for the first time. Hmm. And then, again, like if companies aren't used to doing those things, it can be potentially uncomfortable. So that's an important concept. And kind of going into that, right? And I, when I shared this a little bit earlier, um, what excites me about Jopwell is is that it, it's not a job board. It's actually a community. And I talked about this earlier, um, but it's a community built by and built for underrepresented folks. Like, and that comes with a lot. So I think about living corporate and living corporate and Jopwell are not uh, not the same, right? Like like the the, the missions are different, um, but it's there's some similarity in that um, we exist as a resource for underrepresented voices. And I think that comes with a lot. I think for living corporate, it's unique because we're really just here on like the on the employee side. Like we're just here like to amplify voices. Um, but we're not we don't necessarily have like the same connected, like broad community that you have. And we're also, of course, not managing like tons of corporate relationships. And so. I'm really curious about like, what does it look like for you and your team Porter to manage the emotional labor of like caring and advocating for and building this platform to amplify and support black and brown folks while at the same time managing like the business relationships that come with that. Yeah. So 
it can get very complicated hmm. but we always because we're for the community the community knows what to expect from Jopwell and companies know what to expect from Jopwell so we don't speak to the community any differently than we talk to companies and we don't talk to companies any differently than we talk to the community hmm. like we are very consistent who we are for us we always do what we believe is the best for the community and Jopwell t- takes stands on things that we feel passionately about that affect the community regardless of what companies think. So a perfect example is during the last election when Trump won, yeah. we knew positive or negative, there was going to be a very strong reaction from the So even though we're a tech company, we knew we had to host a town hall or create a forum where people can just share their perspectives and how they feel. So we hosted a town hall in New York City. We had you know, several hundred people show up. No real agenda other than hearing the perspective of the community. And people shared how they felt and and just providing that forum, I think, was beneficial. And we felt that we had a responsibility to the community. So we know if we're thinking these things, others are thinking these things at work. So there needs to be an outlet where they can have these conversations about all the stuff that's going on. And so, again, we have to be very committed and very and always bring it back to that we are a community force first platform. And do things that we believe is best for the community. Again, as long as we're consistent, and then companies know that, the community knows that, and Joppa will always do best for the community. Man, I love that, man. You know, I just, and I appreciate it. And it it feels, like, to your point around consistency, like, it's really cool, because I've seen other, I don't know, it's just interesting, right? Like, and I've talked about this to other, like, diversity and inclusion uh, leaders. It's, I think they were seeing this pattern of some of these spaces um, becoming a bit more authentic in their language and in their presentation. And I really do believe that Jopwell is leading the cause in, in that, right? Because a lot of times when you have like these spaces that are like led by predominant majority uh, folks, they can come sometimes come across lukewarm or silent on certain spaces. And then it like, it creates an inconsistent brand because it's like, okay, well, if you're for diversity and inclusion, you should have a voice on this topic because it's impacting the people that you claim to advocate for. Um, and I do recall content coming out around the election. Um, and, and I do remember just being like feeling really affirmed by that. So um, question for you. Um, you talked a little bit about forums. You recently hosted Jopwell's first ever summit, Jopwell Talks. It looked like an awesome event. Can you tell us a little bit more about the day and what you hope attendees took away from the summit? Yeah. Absolutely. So we're so thrilled to host that event. Um, basically, Ryan and I, my co-founder and I, we've gone to diversity and inclusion conferences um, time after time after time over the last you know four and a half years or so of building Jopwell. It was frustrating to me that I, I didn't leave feeling inspired like tomorrow brings me. And we are incredibly fortunate that throughout the Jopwell journey, There have been many mentors and celebrities that have joined the movement with us. And we felt that we could provide these trailblazers a stage to share stories of how they got to where they are and the things they've learned along the way that fans can recognize that there's no linear path to success. And that these individuals that we can highlight, we felt it's not often that you get access to these folks. So we wanted to create an incredible environment. So we rented out the Brooklyn Museum. We wanted to have the most outstanding speakers. So we went after six, Gail King, Dr. Michael Lomas, Antonio Lucio, CMO of Facebook, 
Edith Cooper, Savon Alla Rose, I mean, just incredible folks. Ali loved hosting it. And from these individuals, we were able to share their story and highlight them in such a way that the audience could follow along and let the conversations breathe. So we didn't have panels. Um, there were no breakout sessions. It was amazing content from amazing individuals. And we crowdsourced some of the questions. You were involved in this incredible environment listening to these, to these folks. And from what I've received as feedback from people, they left feeling motivated and, exp- and, and excited to come tomorrow. And they saw these folks. And that was the goal of the day. And so we're very thankful that people were um, excited to attend and that they wanted part of it. And, you know, we plan on doing um, a lot more moving forward. Man, that's incredible. And look, Porter, you know that we appreciate you. I'm super thankful um, that you were able to join on the platform. In fact, you know, it's, it's pretty customary. We got to, uh, you know, we typically drop air horns. We drop them at the beginning, but I got so excited because I'm nervous because you're on our show. And so I didn't drop them. So I'm going to go ahead and drop the air horns right here. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a flex bomb. And I'm going to give you some coins because you've been dropping dimes. And uh, I just want to thank you, man. Just I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Before we let you go, uh, thank you, man. Nah, man. Look, before we let you go, though, any parting words or shout outs? No, I appreciate the work that you all. You know, the more that we lift each other up, the more opportunity exists for everybody. And this is not a zero sum game. And um, I get very frustrated when I'm the only person of color in a room. And um, again, the conversations need to keep happening. Um, and that's the only way we're going to start changing things. And so, thank you for building this and for allowing individuals to hear stories at scale. It's what I need and needed when I was thinking about what I want to do next. And it's not often where you can get access to folks and really hear their authentic stories. And so it's an incredible platform that you're building. And, you know, thank you for doing that. Oh my gosh, man. I'm about to blush over here. Yo, listen, y'all, it's been Zach. You've been listening to living corporate. We are real talking to corporate world. You make sure you check us out on Twitter at living corporate underscore pod, Instagram at living corporate. Uh, make sure you just check us out anywhere. You know, just Google us. You know what I mean? We're not job level, but we out here. You just Google living corporate. You want to check out our website, check out living corporate.co living corporate.net living corporate.org living corporate.tv living dash corporate. Please say the dash Porter. Do you know we have all the living corporate at living corporate.com and we got all the domain. I hear I'm just try- I'm trying to get it, man. Australia has livingcorporate.com, but we're going to get there one day, man. Um, uh, let's see here. I think that does it for us. Um, this has been Zach again, and you've been listening to Porter Braswell, General Beast, but specifically for this podcast, uh, CEO and founder of Jopwell. Till next time, y'all. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.